Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 111. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Richard Ryerson. i got to tell you, I give a heartfelt thanks to all of the listeners out there. If it wasn't for you guys, this show wouldn't even be possible. The whole reason why this show exists is because of your support. So... If you can, please spread the word. Let your friends, your family, your coworkers, let them know about this show. Spread the word about Dose of Leadership. Share this podcast. Share the links. Let them get tuned in. And I love to hear from you, and I can't tell you how much your support means to me. It means a lot to me, and I look forward to going forward on this leadership journey with you. And if you haven't heard right now, I have a new podcast, too, if you want to check it out. It's just me for about 10 to 15 minutes a day called the Courageous Leadership Podcast. And again... If you can uh, spread the word about that one as well, it would mean a lot to me as I am in new and noteworthy, but to keep that momentum up and to grow that organic audience, I need your help. I need your support. So spread the word. Friends, family, coworkers, let them know about both the Dose of Leadership podcast and the Courageous Leadership podcast. And again, thanks so much for your support. Well, what a unique opportunity today to have on my show Adam Carolla. He's a, you know him as a comedian, a radio personality, television host, and an actor. He's the host of the most popular, most downloaded podcast in history, The Adam Carolla Show. You probably recognize him from Love Line with Dr. Drew from 1995 to 2005, The Man Show with Jimmy Kimmel, 1999 to 2004. He's a very popular voice if you've been involved with or listened to Crank Yankers. Um, he's been on The Celebrity Apprentice, Dancing with the Stars. He's one of the hardest working Men in show business out there, but I tell you, he's a voice of common sense, and I'm so glad he's on this show. Adam, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Uh, you know, it's funny. Thank you. I was just having this conversation with my staff, uh, kind of complaining about my wife because we had this little argument and speaking of common sense. Um, you know, I, I do believe people get way too emotionally invested in things, and they common sense is just thing because it's, it's, it should be something that everyone possesses, but it, it's, it's pretty rare. And I don't know why it's as rare as it is. I think people let their own agendas get in the way of what would have been good common sense. But um, I had an episode where uh, the, the key that, that was temporarily put under the mat for a house I purchased because people were going in and out of it. My wife said the key was under the mat. It was under the mat the night before. When I got there this morning and checked, it was gone. Uh-huh. Somebody stole the key, she said. And I said, well, who would just come steal the key but not go in the house and steal the TV set? And she said, uh, I don't know. But somebody stole that key. And I said, uh, I just don't get why someone would show up, lift the mat, steal the key, but then not go into the house. And she said, well, it was there when I left that night. And the following morning, I showed up, and it was gone. 
somebody in between those two times stole that key. And I said, I just can't imagine somebody stealing the key for entry and not stealing anything in the house. Doesn't make sense to me. And she said, well, that's what happened. But the key's not there. And I said, I got an idea. The mat, the bottom of the mat, it's rubber. And it's been a little moist outside. And it's a single flat key. And it's been walked upon. I said, when you lifted the mat, maybe the key was stuck to the bottom side of the mat. And when you look down, you didn't see the key because it was stuck to the mat. And she said, I looked at the underside of the mat. <laughs> and I said, well, now I'm fresh out of ideas. Because that's the only theory I had. Now we're back to somebody stole the key for no reason. Well, I went to the other room and I said, well, I better get over there and turn the alarm on if the alarm's not on. Because if somebody stole the key... The car, you know, the house alarm's not on because the carpet guy was there. I'm going to have to go over there before I do my podcast. So I'm going to go skip my rope, and then I'm going to leave early and go over there. And when I was done skipping my rope, I was walking out the door. She said, oh, hey, we found the key. And I said, where was it? And she said, it was stuck to the underside of the mat. <laughs> and I said, well, that's exactly what I said. And she said, is that what you said? And I said, yes. That's what I said, but you said you looked at the underside of the mat. And she said, well, I, whatever happened, we have the key. And I said, yeah, except for I told you what happened, and you told me to piss off, basically. Now, Richard, here's what happened, and here's, here's what I can tell your listeners. She was on a roll. In, in her mind, somebody had stolen the key. Right. And my logical suggestion that it was stuck to the underside of the mat actually interfered with her narrative. Right. She was going down a highway where someone had stolen the key. So when I told her, well, maybe it's stuck to the underside of the mat, she literally didn't hear it and just actually, to get me to be quiet, said, I looked under the other side of the mat, wasn't there. And then moving on. Because it didn't fit with her narrative. Now, she's not a bad person. She's not a liar. She's a human being, and she does what a lot of people do, which is, I have decided something is a certain way, and I'm going to pursue it vigorously. And if somebody tries to step in and give me an alternative, I will push them aside in my pursuit of my narrative. Right. You should always be open to other people's narratives. Amen. When you, can't, when you cannot find the key of life, and a person says, aha, maybe it's here instead of there, don't brush that person off. Absorb what they're saying. I'm not saying they're right all the time, but don't explain to them why they're wrong before you've thought about it. Yeah. Well, that's so true, and I think, uh, I, do you think that's why, uh, I know this is why I've turned to your podcast, why I love your books, and everything you stand for, and again, because I kind of, I really got burned out over the last two years of all the political left and right and all that other stuff, and I really did check out, and when I finally started saying, you know what, I'm going to stop listening to it, I'm going to start creating something myself, that was kind of how this podcast was created, and I started surrounding myself 
with not, when I say like-minded, it doesn't necessarily mean they agree with everything, but like-minded in the sense that they're all about the hustle, the hard work, um, the, the interdependence. Do you find your fan base to be a lot of people like that? Is that why you think your show is so popular? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't, you, you know, I, I think people, people listen for different reasons, but I, I think whatever your political stripe is are and whatever, wherever you come from, when something makes sense, it makes sense. Like, uh, you know, when you, I don't think that people are very good at creating the truth or making the truth, but once they hear the truth, it, it resonates with yeah, them. Right. Uh, I have found. And I have found there's just way too much exaggeration, hyperbole, just drama, just just way too much of that going on in this day and age. And for me, I like to just sort of break things down and really kind of get to the crux of them, you know? Right. Like my old dancing partner, Juliana Huff, um, she went in blackface for Halloween and everyone got their panties in a bunch. Right. And I said, well, wait a minute, let's, let's explore this. First off, that she just randomly go in blackface, um, for Halloween or what was she doing? Well, no, she was portraying a character from an HBO show that she enjoys. Okay. And furthermore, not only was she portraying a character, her entire group of friends were portraying the entire cast from, I guess, Orange is the New Black. And, um, and thus, there's a context now. It's not her just randomly uh, trying to insult black people. There's a context. They're all dressing as a character. She's dressing as her favorite character, who happens to be black. And then thirdly, does anyone in the room think that Julianne Huff doesn't like black people? Well, no, it's not that. Well, then what are we really talking about here? Do you, do you think that she is attacking black people? Do you think she's attacking that actress? What is? What do we really think this 23-year-old girl is up to? And that's all I'm interested in. The part where we all just attack her, force her to apologize, make her feel bad about herself, and get her publicist panties in a bunch doesn't interest me. I, I'm interested in motivation. Right. Oh, I love that. You know, one other thing I appreciate about you, and, and you, you almost seem like a serial entrepreneur. I don't know if you are so busy doing so many things, I can't even keep track of all the projects that you're on. I heard you interview six months ago. I think you were talking with Howard Stern, how you were talking about how you have so many funnels of, of, of projects coming in, and that's the way it's always been. Where does that come from? Have you always had the entrepreneurial spirit? Is, was it a sense of survival, or where did that come from? No, I never had the entrepreneurial spirit. I come from a, a family that had never engaged in any entrepreneurial endeavors whatsoever, um, mainly sort of food stamps and welfare and free housing and just all that all that stuff. And I, I do feel like in a certain sense that I'm overcompensating for my family's lack of entrepreneurial spirit and my own lack of entrepreneurial spirit 
$5 an hour I picked up garbage on construction sites, and that was about it. And at a certain point, um, I got into show business, and I sort of became a gun for hire. But I, uh, but I realized once I'd lost my job in terrestrial radio that I was going to have to create my own product I was going to. I was going to have to essentially look at myself as a product and a brand without sounding grandiose, right? And figure out how you know. I would look at myself as uh, you know, look at Adam Carolla as the buffalo and Adam Carolla as the Indian, and I want to know. I want to eat every part of that buffalo. Is uh, homoerotic as that may have sounded? <laughs> how? Can I, you know, yes, I can get on an airplane and go to Detroit and do a stand-up show and get paid, but how can I get paid without going to Detroit, or how can I get paid for something else while I'm in Detroit doing stand-up? I know I'll invent something called Mangria. That'll be my signature cocktail. Then when I'm in Detroit... We'll do a mangria tasting, and I'll get some. I'll sell some cases of mangria, and then I'll do my show. And then, when I'm on the airplane on my way back from Detroit, I can work on my third book. So, one way I'm going to Detroit, whether whether you like it or not. Right. One way I get. One way I'm going to get paid once. The other way I'm going to get paid three times, theoretically. And then eventually, let's work out a way where I never go to Detroit and still get paid. Right. Well, you can have you have you come to the realization, and, and I know you're a, a regular guy, you're a stand up guy, you're not a narcissist. I know you, you're kind of in that sea of, of narcissism, and you're kind of that common sense voice. But have you come to the realization that what you say and what you do is an inspiration to a lot of people out there? Yeah, I I really. You know, part of what I do is I never think about who's listening and what it means to them. Right. (laughs) Which is to say, if I picture my wife listening to your podcast and having me tell a story where she kind of looks dumb or at least a little stubborn, I will not tell that story either at all or in the way that I would like to tell that story. Right. And if I'm talking about, if I'm making a joke or talking about either a celebrity or a race or a religion or a culture or a public figure or a family member, you know, literally my mother or my father, if I picture them sitting around and listening to what I'm saying, I'm going to stifle myself. Right. So I don't think about who's listening and or what it means to them on a good, uh, in a good way or a bad way. I'm, I'm surprised when anyone listens. I'm flattered when anyone listens and, and it means something to them. I'm I, I, I love the fact, you know, when people say to me, you know, I was working for UPS and you inspired me to quit and start my own business. And, you know, we just made 
$200,000 last year. I, I love that story. I love the story where the you know, signing autographs after the show and the father and son team come up and the son says, uh, the dad never heard of you, but I turned him on to it. And now he's a bigger fan than I am. You know, all that. Or, you know, I read the book and, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I love all it. Do, do, I, do I ever expect it? Do I ever think about it? No. My job is to write books, the best books I can write, to do the best podcast I can, I can put out on a daily basis, and, and to create the best products I can create. And then after that, I'm gone. I, I, whatever happens after that is, I shouldn't say it's academic, but I'm no longer thinking about it, and I'm right on to my next book, project, you know, uh, libation, whatever it is. Right. Well, I think at the core of what, why it's, at least I know why you resonate with me and a lot of my the people that I know that listen to you is, you know, what's, what's so lacking in everything. And especially in the leadership realm and the people that we look at or we label as leaders, that authenticity. And I think what emanates from you is a sense of, uh, um, authenticity and it's so rare. And um, it's sad that it's so rare, but I think that I know that's why you resonate with me, and I hopefully a lot of my listeners on my show will, will, if they haven't listened to your stuff or read your books, they'll see what I'm talking about. Authenticity just seems. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, you know, authenticity. If you're not being authentic, then there's something wrong with you because right. Authenticity is really something that takes zero effort. You know, you know, you know, you told me before we started this podcast about your German shepherd, your German shepherd is authentic, right? Right. I mean, the German shepherd is who your German shepherd is uh, and, and, and is nothing more or less. Every everything in the animal kingdom is authentic. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, I don't know why. People have to work at being authentic. You know, to me, it's quite the opposite. They have to work at putting on a facade right. and then creating the illusion of authenticity. Yes. To truly, to truly be authentic, it's just to truly somebody. You know, look, I got into trouble. Uh, you know, I, I don't get into trouble because I own my own pirate ship, but I got a ton of crap because I was doing an interview with some guy, you know, New York something. And he just said to me, just out of the blue, who's funnier, men or women? And I said, oh, men are funnier than women. I, I wasn't, I didn't have to think about it. I didn't say women weren't funny. I didn't say women were dumb. I just said men are funnier than women because not only is it, do I believe it empiric, empirically or believe it as a human being, but there's, there's actual empirical uh, science that would suggest that they are uh, testosterone and trying to attract uh, members of the opposite sex, so and so forth. But now, if I wanted to appear to be authentic, I would have said, well, you know, I know a lot of funny ladies out there, and there's a lot of, but, you know, these that's an attempt to appear to be authentic. Right. To be authentic, takes, there's no calories to burn. Somebody could literally say to you, Adam, you have twins. Which one do you like better? 
And I'd go, the boy. <laughs> or I'd say the girl. Or I'd say the girl's a pain in the ass. Or I'd say the, the girl's a much better athlete than the boy. Right. You know, that's authentic. Does it hurt feelings? I'm sure it does. Does it take any real effort? No, not really. But I, th- yeah, I mean, you're right. But I think it does move the ball forward, and when that's what's been lacking in so many circles. You know, I, I was a pilot in the Marine Corps for ten years, and and when I got in the civilian sector after September 11th, that's one thing I noticed is that there was, rightly or wrongly, and some people disagree with the way the Marine Corps did things, but there was an element of like if you showed up and you looked like a bag of donuts when you walked in the door, people would tell you right away, and that's one thing that I missed when I got into the kind of civilian side of it, is everyone's kind of just so sensitive about everything. And I think there's a lot to be said to get back to how that was. I know a lot of people don't necessarily agree with that, but man, that is, I think, is what's missing. Is this that? Well, listen, I, you know, I, I don't know how they can disagree with the truth. Right. You know, I just I just don't. Whether you're, you know, whether you're failing on a micro level or macro level, whether you're failing financially or failing physically, you know, I don't know how you can argue with that, you know? I mean, we figured it out. If you're a smoker, well, smoking's bad for you, okay? Well, we don't have any problem telling people to smoke. Hey, hey, not in this airplane, not in this movie theater, not in this hotel, not in this bar, this restaurant, you know? Okay, why? Well, Smoke is bad for you. Okay. Are we making a judgment call? Well, no. We figured out that smoking is bad for you, and we don't want people smoking on airplanes. Okay. Well, being fat is bad for you. And we don't want you to be fat. All right. What's the first step? Well, the kid's got to know he's fat. <laughs> if he doesn't know he's fat, why should he lose weight? No, well, what if you hurt his feelings? Well, listen, you should hope his feelings are hurt. That will motivate him to lose the weight. He's feeling pretty... My problem is the kid's feeling pretty good about himself about now. And he does look like a sack of donuts. Right. No, I love it. You know, one of my favorite... You know, there's so many things I could talk about, but I want to point out probably my most favorite chapter, the one that resonated with me the most, maybe because I was a pilot American before 9-11, but uh, the Airport 2010 chapter in, in your book, In 50 Years Will Be Chicks, that is, to me, pure gold and... it and resonates true. I just did a blog post in, in a, on, about rules, regulations, and common sense, and it's, it's a lot about what you talk about in there. And talk to me a little bit about that chapter. I mean, I love that 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 sense of the airport, how it's just such a nightmare these days. You know, I, I was just saying on my podcast yesterday, the airport has become some sort of Sodom and Gomorrah meets international waters of you know, people, I, you know, I was saying, remember at the airport when somebody would, you know, their flight would get canceled or delayed and they'd, 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 they'd want to catch a few Zs. They'd want to get a little shut-eye. You would literally lean back in your chair and take your ball cap and kind of tilt it over your eyes to shade out the light. That, that's how, Now it's shoes off, socks off. Yeah. I'm going to make a pillow out of my backpack and lay by the men's room, splayed out on the carpet, like on the floor. <laughs> right. I've never seen, you walk through an airport now, people are walking around barefoot, and they're sleeping all over the floor. Right. Well, you wouldn't go to a mall or a Sears or see that, would you? No. 
Yeah, it's so true. And and as far as uh, airport uh, twenty ten, I I can't remember any of my those complaints other than the paparazzi piling up. I, that that part did drive me nuts. Where those guys would just stand around and get in everyone's way. Especially, by the way, where they are at LAX is where they had the shooting a couple of weeks ago. That's right. where the basically where the paparazzi would be hanging out. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, um, and like you said, in any other place, I mean, why are we letting all these other people? Um, why is paparazzi allowed in the airport in the first place? I mean, we wouldn't allow these people in, in any other places. And great point too that why are we letting them? take pictures of all these people carte blanche without any kind of legal ramification. So yeah. And then sell it for profit. Right. Let's be allowed to do that. I know we're getting short on time. There's a couple of things I wanted to ask you too, is like, how was your, um, your fund anything project? How's that, the, the movie going? I know you, you hit your goal. Are you on your way to, to making the movie uh, road hard? Yeah, I am. And um, I'm going to start probably March of uh, this year, and uh, so far so good. Um, I can't, you know, and the, 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 we made, you know, basically 1.5 million dollars. We're only we're asking for one million, and you know, it's just it's worked out as well as it could possibly work out. Well, I know you got a tight schedule. I'm looking at the watch here, and I know you got it. And it's so gracious of you. It says a lot that you took the time to. Uh, speak to a guy who does a podcast in his 16 year old daughter's corner of her bedroom and um and talk about common sense and there's so much more i wish i could talk to you about hopefully i can have you come back on the show but give it give a yeah i was just gonna give a clip cut plug about to all the things that you want people to get in touch with you i mean your podcast and give me give a shout out to where people can find you you can just go to adamcrolla.com and you can find out about the Mangria and where we're going to do a live show and you know, how to get a hat and a t-shirt and, you know, all the different shows on the network and when the next book's coming out. It'll all be at adamcrolla.com if you're at all interested. Yeah, and you got a book, a new one called about, about My America, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called President Me. President and, Me, okay. uh, it, Probably not be out for a few more months, so you got a little bit of time. Okay. Adam, stay on. I'm going to stop the recording. Stay on the phone just for a second so I can talk to you a little bit. But thanks for coming on the show. And like I said, I'd like to have you back sometime if you're willing. Sure, Richard. All right. Thanks, Adam. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.